So today on American Conversations, we have a special guest from Israel, Michael Neeson, who is uh, runs who is a minister of a small church in Israel. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, you know, I am I am most interested uh, in our audiences in, in finding out, you know, what exactly is is going on in Israel with these uh, COVID shots. Um, but let's start at the beginning. In 2020, when did the lockdown uh, happen in Israel? Was it immediately February, March? I mean, give us some context on that. Well. Uh, it's if, to the best of my memory, I didn't keep dates, but it started in March. And uh, the feeling was that that we would do that and get it over with. We need to do that lockdown and just get it over with. And people were very willing to cooperate in Israel. And was it based upon fear? Was it more for practical reasons? Was it to, to, to flatten the curve for the hospital? I mean, were, were yeah, a lot was, of people going to the hospital at that point in time? It was based upon fear, um, where, where the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu at the time, was a major player in ramping this all up. And... Uh, and the media, which is like usually against him, were just uh, kind of playing along with him. So there seemed to be some cooperation there. What did you? We had in the United States and, and you know in Western Europe a lot of times the, the the narrative was at the time, stay home to flatten the curve because the hospitals will be overwhelmed. So basically, if you the pejorative side of it was. You know, stay home until your lips turn blue, and then show up at the hospital to put you on a ventilator, and you know you might have eighty percent chance of, of living if on a ventilator. It, was that sort of the um, the pejorative side of what was going on in Israel that we were at the, at that point in time? Well, I don't I I don't specifically remember them saying that it's to flatten the curve. That I do remember hearing from the international news. Mm -hmm. uh, they might have said it and I missed that point, but it was basically to stop infections from going around. That, that was the main idea behind it. If you stay at home, then there'll be less infections. And that, that, that was what was promoted to us. And what about all the, all the bus businesses? They just shut them down in Israel at the same time? Or yes. they leave essentials open? Uh, they left um, yeah they left the essentials open um but yeah they did they did shut down the businesses and you weren't supposed to leave the home unless it was uh you know you had to have the the a right reason to do so so i remember each time i used to step out the home i you had to i had to make an excuse in my mind like oh i'm just going to deliver this meal to a disabled person and sometimes i mean it was true it wasn't the main reason i went out my home but I'd find a reason to get out the home. Like I, I was always thinking, like if the police catch me now and saying, "I'm just going to the grocery to, to store to get milk." Now I don't want it to be a lie, so I'll then go to the grocery store and get some milk and come home. You know, so you're always having to think of an excuse for being outside. And if the police were to, were to stop you in Israel, I mean, what were they? They were just going to ask you questions, and then you just give them an answer and. I mean, could you go outside in Israel and exercise, for instance? 
Yeah, they did allow some exercising. Uh, it's, it, I don't remember all the details, but in the first lockdown, uh, they allowed, I think, some exercise, and maybe in the second uh, lockdown too, uh, they they limited the amount of people that can do exercise, uh, whether it was two or something like that, two together. Um, and you could walk your dog, so there was a very high demand for dogs at the time, and we wanted a dog too, and we couldn't get one. All the dog prices went right up. <laughs> uh, eventually, we got one a few months later. And what still... about the What about the schools? The schools were closed, um, but then eventually they let they they opened them up. Eventually, yeah, we had a lot of time. It was a very stressful time for families at home because. It's like people were allowed to go to home, uh, to, sorry, to work, but they were kind of expected to watch over their kids too, because you can't just leave your kids at home and go to work. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of pressure put on the parents to kind of, uh, they were like a second teacher, an assistant teacher in the home and yet they were expected also to go to work, and there was just so much pressure put on parents that this was causing a lot of stress inside the family. I remember that time being very stressful for us, very stressful. Well, you, you have five children, and how old are your, what's the range of ages of your children again? Uh, five to 13. Okay, it's, form, uh, formative yeah. years. Yeah. I've got uh, 5, 8, 10, 12, and 13. These are the ages of my kids. So let's move forward as, as this crescendo built. Um, what, it, when did they first start uh, administering the shots in Israel? Uh, in December, December, maybe late November, but I think it was December... 2020. Did they tell you at the time that, the, I mean, was there anything in the news in Israel about the contract between Israel and Pfizer? I don't remember specifically they're talking about a contract between Israel and, and Pfizer. They, there might have been talk about it. I know that later when there was much demand to see the contract, they saw that a lot of it was redacted. A lot of it was just in black. I, re I remember opening that contract to look through it, and, uh, and the date of the contract was black. And I'm saying, why, why would they have the date? Why would they have the date in black too? So what, do you remember the time frame of when that contract was released, even though it was redacted? I don't remember. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not very good on all the details. Okay. So, did you do you remember that which you could read in the contract? I mean, uh, yes. I I brushed through it. I was just very surprised to see that the date was not there and major parts were just in black. Um, it, you you know, and this this is kind of. This is for a vaccine that you have to take mm -hmm. and you're not given the information about it. 
When did they make it mandatory in, in Israel? From the very beginning? They did talk about... Uh, they, they didn't talk about making it mandatory right from the start, because I think that there would have been pushback, there would have been objection. But the, it, was, it was viewed as that life-saving uh, vaccine that will bring us back to normality. We will be able now to see family. We, children will be able to see grandma. Um, people will go to work, will be able to travel freely. You know, if you have this, then you can go all over the world and you have nothing to fear then. Um, it's like it, it, there was a lot of kind of, it was presented as the savior and and really people did, they were under the impression that we're just getting these two shots and COVID is behind us. All of this nightmare is behind us. We're back to normal. It's only later on, I mean, it, it, you could say in the last few months, they've been actually talking about making it mandatory. Up to a certain point, they said it's not mandatory, but uh, you won't have the green pass. And the green pass enables you to to go wherever you want freely. I mean, it, it, it still doesn't give you free international travel. There's still so many limitations on international travel. Um, but inside Israel, you would be able to go uh, into, uh, for instance, I, as an unvaccinated person, couldn't go into the library. Uh, I couldn't go to the swimming pool, neither could my kids. Uh, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't sit inside a cafe. And for a certain time, I couldn't even sit outside in the cafe because they, they had these tiers of restrictions. So if, if um, you know, at a certain period, they said you, the, the unvaccinated people can't sit uh, inside a cafe or outside the cafe. They just mustn't go to a cafe. But you can walk down the street where the cafe is. Uh, yeah, you can walk down the street there and uh, you can even get a coffee, but you mustn't sit outside um, the cafe. Um, I, when I say outside, I mean it's still kind of the cafe, but it's it's not the inside of it. It's the, the street part of it. You right. mustn't sit there. Now, I can tell you this really, really, um, I felt betrayed by my country. At what, felt, point, at what point did you have that epiphany of betrayal? Was it the longer it went on or the more restrictions saying it wasn't mandatory, although people would keep on putting up roadblocks and pushing you to get the shot? Uh, I, I felt, I specifically felt betrayed when, because I like to visit cafes. I, I don't, you know, it, it, that's where I, I kind of sit down, I get inspiration, I look at the, at the streets, I read the Bible and I write down the sermon for the next week and, and things. So I, so I visit cafes regularly. And in a cafe that I'm used to, you know, they all know me by name, they, they like me there, you know, I, there's people that I know. They don't allow me to sit inside. So if it's a nice day, I say, fine, I'll sit outside. And they say, no, you can't sit outside either. Now, I served 
as a soldier in Lebanon. I served as a soldier in Lebanon and I risked my life for the state. I remember those cold rainy nights where I'm lying down with my with my gun waiting for Hezbollah terrorists to pass by so that we can shoot them down. They didn't pass by and I didn't shoot anyone down during my service. I mean, retroactively, I am happy I, I never shot anyone. Mm -hmm. But uh, But still, I was risking my life for the state of Israel to keep these people safe. And now this young lady who who's kind of, you know, she, she, you know, I want to buy a coffee from her. She was probably a little girl when I was protecting her in Lebanon. And she's telling me, no, you can't even sit outside. You feel betrayed. In another, in another cafe, uh, I kind of tried my luck because sometimes you can get away with it. I sat inside and they don't always check. But the, she came to me, this, this, this young girl, and she said, um, do you have a green pass? I said, no, I don't. She said, then you'll have to sit outside. So I'm starting to pack my things and go, and she's kind of escorting me out. And people are looking at me like, you see the people kind of looking like, what's wrong with him? What did he do? Why does he need to go out? And you feel like a criminal. You feel like you've done something wrong. And this wrong thing that you've done is, uh, I, I don't want to get a, a subscription to Pfizer. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to, to subscribe for this free subscription to Pfizer that the state of Israel is practically forcing its citizens to have. So let's, let's unpack this a little bit more in detail. So they didn't make it mandatory at first, but they made it that you had, in order to get a green pass that would signify your vaccination status, that yes. you had it, uh, you couldn't, you, you couldn't, you, your freedom wasn't there, your freedom to move was limited. Uh, okay, yes, limited. You couldn't go into all places. Um, <laughs> now, um, when did that happen, though? When, when was when was the green pass uh, as just a notion introduced? Was that was that in December twenty twenty, or was it a yeah, little bit it was, later, January, February? Kind of at the same time with the vaccination program, you got that green pass. the The same time as as the vaccination program, that's when you got the green pass. But I must say, at the same time, while they were saying it's not mandatory. Uh, employers were already starting to threaten their workers that if they don't get vaccinated, they won't be able to continue working. And there were more and more threats regarding that. Now, in our congregation here in, in Israel, in Haria, most of the people in the congregation didn't get the vaccination because they believed in it and thought that it would save them. Some did, but they're very few. The majority of the people in our congregation who got the vaccination got it just because their employer put so much pressure on them or because maybe they were looking for a job and, and the employer said, well, you have to get vaccinated to work here. So they just needed the money. They needed the work. So, so they got the, the vaccination, even though they didn't want it. They were even against it. 
That's economic coercion. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, as time went on, we saw more and more pictures coming out of Israel and people were demonstrating. Uh, yeah. Where does it stand today? I mean, today is uh, December 21st, 2021. It's been a year since the vaccinations have been rolled out um, for the early waves in, in Israel as well as in the United States and other countries. Um, the first, I guess, I, we have been speaking to vax injured for quite some time. And I think the earliest uh, vax injured we have spoken to was in the clinical trials um, going back to the early days of November 2020. Um, have, and I've seen the testimonies coming out of Israel of vax injured that are very powerful stories, very similar to what we are seeing here in the United States and other parts of the world. How many people in Israel realize now that, that the vaccine shots are not safe and effective for everybody? I think many more people than before. I have, I have two, two indications for this. The first major indication is that for the first uh, vaccination, which was a double vaccination, uh, six million Jews, I'm sorry to use that phrase, six million Jews, although they were not all Jewish, but six million Israelis went to get vaccinated. And uh, for when, when the boosters uh, were coming, uh, uh, only half a year later, then they, uh, they had only just over 4 million. So something happened between the second jab and the booster to cause about 2 million people not to get the second jab. And what we think the process was that so many people got injured during the first and second because uh, see when when the big uh, uh, vaccination campaign started in December and January January was like the deaths just spiked I went and checked this from the from the statistics website of the state of Israel the deaths went right up and um, and Israel was kind of blaming the British variant at the time. That was their excuse. Oh, look, you know, the British variant is so cruel and, and things like that. No, it wasn't. It was the vaccination that was killing so many people. Now, each person like that who, who died or got injured from the vaccination, he has friends and family who, who, who will then be careful from getting vaccinated. So there was a lot of goodwill. People were really kind of viewing the vaccination as, hey, let's let's do this and get out of it. Let's let's do this together. And somehow two million once we come to the booster, two million decided not to continue with it. Another 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 indication of people kind of being you know, starting to understand what's going on is that when when this started, all the vaccination program, um, I was going into my favorite, it used to be my favorite newspaper, Israel Hayom. It's a mainstream uh, newspaper, perhaps the most widely read newspaper in Israel. And they, they had only one thing to say. 
COVID is dangerous, you need to get vaccinated. If you don't get vaccinated, you're a threat to society and, and all of these things. And I used to go onto the talks, onto the talkback, I think it's called, all the comments. And I used to write my comments and I used to get such, you know, people were really objecting to what I was saying. And you'd see most of the comments were pro-vaccine and, and against the anti-vaxxers. And now it seems like it's the other way around. When I go to the talk back, it seems like most of the comments are people who are angry about the vaccination program. They're very angry with the government and only a few people there to defend the government and the vaccines. So something happened after the second shot, between the second and the third. When I say the second shot, I mean the first one was a double one. Right. So between the first vaccination program and the booster, something happened in Israel and many more people are cautious. Do you have do you have a uh, a VAERS system the way we do in the United States? I, it's just amazing. I mean, look, I mean, in the States, you can at least report to VAERS. Not everyone knows about VAERS. Not all the doctors know about VAERS. But at least you've got VAERS. And whether, you know, because, because people discovered that some of the deaths have been scrubbed out. Mm -hmm. They were trying to get back to the same link and only to find something else there. Right. Um, but in Israel, they didn't even have that. They didn't even have that. They had some very awkward thing that doesn't record. It, it, I think it gives you like one line or something to write. And it, it was something so pathetic. And, and then you don't, you can't really access that database. It just goes to the government or to one of the big health funds because Israel works with these major health funds. So it just goes to, to these and, and that's it. You don't hear any more of it. People were calling the, the health funds to say, you know, my daughter, she, she has this bleeding as, you know, she's only 12 years old and she's bleeding like, like, like a woman who's given birth, please help us, you know, after the vaccination. And they're getting, you know, the, the, the health funds are not wanting to take any responsibility. They're saying there's no connection between the vaccination and what happened to you, what happened to your son, what happened to your daughter. There's just no connection whatsoever. And are you, are you hearing if the doctors know how to treat the patients who come in with these illnesses after they get the shots? Um, I, I don't know if the doctors know how to treat these things. I'm sure they're trying, um, but I think that they're kind of denying the obvious. Um, I know personally of two people who have lost um, their uh, sight or, or have their sight seriously damaged in one eye after the shot. Um, at least one of these didn't even make the connection with the vaccination. He went to the doctors and started a series of checks and a series of treatments. And still no one said it's because of the vaccination. It's just, oh, suddenly you can't see well. So it's like they're not being told and other people who have suffered things that are like classic vaccination injuries, 
I tell them it's because of the vaccination and they look at me with this face like, how did you get to that? You know, but these are healthy people. These are healthy people, sometimes young people, and they don't make the connection with a vaccine and the doctors don't, don't make that connection for them either. So in the United States, um, the first way was 18 years of age and, and well, first the rollout was for people who were older and then for people who were, you know, that worked in hospitals, health cares, and they, they needed to, they believed that they needed to get vaccinated. So they signed up. When did they start targeting the children in Israel? The, the, Under okay. age. the between, um, okay. They talked about, uh, what did you say? Under eight? Well, no, under 18. When did they start targeting? Under, the, the, yeah, they, they, they made the vaccination campaign for 5 to 11 years old and before that 12 to 18 years old or something. Mm -hmm. That was uh, maybe uh, more than half a year ago that they already targeted the youth. I would say, uh, see, I, I, I didn't keep all, all these dates. You know, that's these okay. that, I mean, that's, that's about the same time it was here in the United States, so they made it, they made it known at that point in time. Um, yeah, and, and then after that, they started with the 5 to 11s. Now they're on the 5 to 11s, and they're not getting much success. Parents are hesitant? Parents are hesitant. I can tell you, I'm, I'm surprised that every parent that is willing to vaccinate their children. I say vaccinate, it's not a vaccination, but I just use the term. I'm surprised at every parent that does it. And I know, I know of cases where parents have been warned and they don't want to listen because what's important to them is that they can go abroad and that they can go to restaurants and have an easy life. And I think that they're sacrificing their child's health and future for the sake of uh, having just a slightly nicer life. And that, that I think is extremely selfish. Let's talk, let's talk about the um, Jewish heritage historically in the context of what's happening today, because um, uh, I, I am stunned. I mean, I'm not Jewish. I'm, I was raised Catholic. But I am stunned with the history of the Holocaust, um, with the defamation historically through the centuries against um, people of Jewish faith, that they succumb to this so fast that you are now in the twilights of a second booster. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I have a hard time wrapping my brain about what happened in Israel. What do you think happened? I mean, you're living this nightmare. Yes. Well, thankfully, it's not a nightmare, a nightmare always. I mean, we can still buy food and everything. What happened? What happened? I think that uh, it's a major psychological operation. Um, I would, I would say that uh, I, I, I don't know how to say really what happened. I just think that the media and the minds behind this whole thing were very successful 
in marketing both the supposed plague. Not that I say there's no COVID. I do think that there is COVID. Some people say there's no COVID at all. I do think there is this COVID thing, but but they were but but it's not what it was marketed to be but people actually view the tv as as truth tv is truth if it's on the tv it must be true why would they lie to us and then if the vaccine is is safe you know it, 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 you know i mean if the vaccine is unsafe why would they say that it's safe why why would all these experts be saying it's like i think that people can't imagine how corrupt and evil things are behind you know behind what they see just on the tv you know what i mean they just see the tv and the newspaper and they have this general trust that well they're not lying to us why would they it's not ever um, so. It's not It's it's beyond their imagination that people could be evil. It's beyond their scope of understanding that um, people can be complicit. And it's beyond their comprehension how much money can play a part and how scared people are to step out. The more the, the lack of moral courage and the the, the, the speed with which this happened, I think is most striking to me as a journalist who's covered three wars. I just, I, I, I find it, people falling like sheep, being led to the cliff, people telling them they're birds and they can fly when in fact they're sheep. Yeah, you know, well. Fall off that cliff. If, if, and, 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 and the lack of discernment and the lack of realizing, no, you have a choice. Uh, this is your life your body uh and you have a choice of what you put into it and what you don't put into it but we but you know the world's upside down right now we have the pope who thinks he's a doctor we have fauci who thinks he's a god with a little g and then we've got biden who's pimping for pharma out of the white house and and it's a very strong um concerted effort where people are scared to death if they don't get it to the point where you know, Joe Biden has come out and said that uh, unvaccinated are killers. It's extraordinary to me. And nobody's turning around and saying, you know, enough is enough. Stop this. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, Joe Biden is not the only one. I mean, Naftali Bennett. I mean, I used to vote for Naftali Bennett. I really liked him. Um, and what is he saying now? Well, he, he, he came up with a few statements. One of the statements he made was basically comparing the unvaccinated to terrorists. And how did he do that? He said, uh, unvaccinated people are like uh, people walking around with a machine gun spraying around Delta variants. Okay, wow. now when you talk about people going around with a machine gun spraying, that, that gives the association of a terrorist. Mm-hmm. And that was not uh, the only thing he said. He was basically blaming us for everything. Then I saw these articles in that major newspaper, Israel Ayom, by an Israeli professor called Dan Shiftan, who's an advisor in the government and, and things like that. And the things he was saying, he was saying that, uh, that, that uh, the businesses of the unvaccinated and not only the businesses, unvaccinated people should be digitally marked. He didn't say marked. 
but digitally marked that means like um that there would be public lists of these businesses so that people know better where to buy that means don't buy in their businesses this is very similar to what went on in the pre-holocaust you know mm -hmm. don't buy in a jewish business a good german doesn't do business with with uh, with a good a good german doesn't do business with the jews mm -hmm. then he, he made some other suggestions this is this is not the only one he he also suggested that he, he he was saying that we're basically anyone who holds to our view is is a lunatic and we should be put in psychiatric wards and treated as a psychiatric patient uh, or as a prisoner, that means forced vaccinations. So, and, so, and, so about two weeks ago, and I was waiting for this moment because back in June, one of Fauci's guys um, and I had a conversation. And during the conversation, <clears throat> I asked this gentleman, I said, what do you think of the rollout so far? Because this was, this was around June, so we had about six months there. And he started to tell me about it, and he started to say that he didn't think that they were successful about getting their message out that the shots called them vaccines at that point in time june 2021 um prevented the transmissibility of the disease now fast forward to about two weeks ago maybe it's three at this point in time but gates bill gates and tony fauci both said independently that we need to take a, a relook at uh, at these vaccinations because they didn't stop the transmissibility and they didn't prevent the disease. And I thought to myself, I reflected back on that conversation in June. And what I think is kind of interesting is that people may be overwhelmed with the volume. They may be overwhelmed with and, and missing the um, the change of the conversation and the contradictions of the conversation, because you have to say to yourself, if you're not focused on this on a daily basis, did they really just say that? Now, now I remember that they said this, you know, months ago, something different. It's hard to keep up. And, and I always think of what the Bible says about the devil. Chaos is when the devil's in full motion. And I think that people cannot you cannot focus enough on this, but I'm wondering maybe that's what's happening in Israel now because, as you said, you know something happened between the double booster for the first shot, and then going into—I mean, the double shots, and then going into the booster. You know, the numbers dropped off. Is do you think that the contradictions are resonating with the public in Israel? With some of them with some of them. I mean, I think that some people, they just, they'll just take anything that comes out of the TV. And if they say, you know, you know, that one thing, one day, they'll believe it. And then if they say the opposite, the next day, they'll just believe it. And they don't ask questions, because obviously, these are experts, they're expert doctors, and who are we to question them? It's like some people are just, they don't have any thinking, any mind about it. They think what the TV told them to think. But others are beginning to realize that something is wrong here. Even from among those who support the vaccination, I heard, I overheard a conversation of people who 
obviously were vaccinated and uh, and and I, I heard one of them saying like uh, the health ministry says this and this and that and I don't know whether to believe them anymore and the lady with him said I don't know who believes them anymore you know but they were all the, the pro-vax I, I could tell they were kind of pro-vaccination but people are starting to think like can we rely on anything that is being told you know that is being said to us mm -hmm. uh, some people it's starting to register it's like uh i think that there's some some they're trying to muddle you up by giving you conflicting messages at the same time i think that is one of the techniques uh and that's that's called called uh, gaslighting mm -hmm. it's like you say we'll just do the two shots you know the two initial shots and that's it covid is behind us and at the same time they're already starting to drip information that it might not be the end it might you know we might have to take shots every half a year for the rest of our lives so mm -hmm. get used to that you know it's like they do the two things at the same time the vaccine is is uh is effective and the vaccine is not effective and you believe both at the same time and anyway you just take the vaccine you were just told that it is effective so you should take it but it's not effective so you should keep on taking it and it's just you know they muddled you up well it, well, it is it is and fauci fauci just came out uh, a couple maybe four or five days ago and he was talking about you know in in terms of the the uh, re-looking at vaccines he's actually talking about a program that was killed by the u.s government which means it's the uh, hunters for the coronaviruses this this is a uh, international consortium of science and um scientists from all over the world who ha who were in the business of hunting for the hundreds of thousands of coronaviruses to find out if they could be transmitted to human beings it's actually stopped okay the gain of function was stopped because it's so it's so damn dangerous but at the same time now all of a sudden fauci's talking about it but people aren't really understanding the language that he's using but what he's talking about is a predict project and he's talking about this global consortium that was stopped and these guys are all part of it peter daschick uh, you know, whose name has surfaced over and over again in terms of the Wuhan lab and Eco Alliance, Eco Health Alliance. So it, it's 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 dragging everybody back to the to where it was before this program was stopped, without focusing on the fact that hunting for coronaviruses may be so dangerous for for humanity that nobody should be in the business of doing this whatsoever. It should be vital. It should be absolutely, you know, nuked across the board by most countries. But but if they create this, their goal is to create a base of a coronavirus vaccination that they can add boosters to depending upon what coronavirus is out there in society. So we are doing full circle of where this was pre-COVID because that program was shut down. It was called the PREDICT Project at, uh, under USAID, and it was overseen by a number of people here in the United States and, and internationally. And Patrick was involved with that, as were other people um, you know, who were part of the Fauci cabal in Washington, D.C. It's a very scary time. Do you see any um, 
any light at the end of the tunnel for, for Israel or at all? I don't know where things are going. I don't know where things are going. There's different thoughts. Um, my wife is more of the opinion that it must be bad before it's good. It must become really, really bad before things get better. It, it should bring people to the, the, the end, you know? It's like because it, it won't stop. She says, it, it, they won't just retreat. They won't say, hey, maybe we should just retreat now. Um, and she might be right. Others are saying, no, more and more people are waking up and they're objecting. But, but we see, I, okay, I don't trust the government to stop at any point. I don't, I lost all trust in all government institutions. And I don't trust them to stop at any point. They've already made the society to feel okay with only um, uh, unvaccinated people being under lockdown. The next step would be let's isolate them and concentrate them all in one place to keep society safe. They've somehow managed to convince society that they need to protect themselves from the unvaccinated. And that was the same language used in Germany. They didn't say, let's attack the Jews. They say, we need to protect ourselves from the Jews. Well, they said that they would say that the Jews are dirty. They're dirty, yeah. carry um, disease. That's yeah, exactly disease what barrier. they said in Germany in the 1930s. Barriers. So I don't know where it's going. Of course, I'm hoping that, that they'll kind of, you know, that there'll be an uprising and people will say enough is enough. And all of the elites will have to kind of, kind of back out um, and, and will have a break. But I don't know whether it's going there. I can tell you that biblically, prophetically, I look at the prophetic scriptures in, in the Old and New Testaments. And there is what you call uh, the Day of the Lord, which is the, the Apocalypse. You can read about it in Revelation and, and in other prophets of the Bible. And that's where, I mean, things are really, really bad during the apocalypse. Most of the, the population of the world dies during that period, which I believe is a seven-year period. Some people say it's a bit shorter. Now, the thing is this. What's going on now doesn't fit what's written there. The one doing the culling and thinning the herd... <laughs> which is more than thinning the herd, the one doing all the, the culling is God, because he's angry. It's not uh, evil schemes of, of human beings. So I know, I mean, from what I understand, one of the major purposes of this whole global scheme is to, to thin the herd. To, to kill people so that you have less people and you can control them. Now, some people can disagree with me on that. That's all right. I mean, it took me a while to arrive at this, this conclusion, and I know it sounds very outlandish to many people, but I do think that they want to have m much less people in the world 
uh, between a billion and half a billion people left so that it's much easier to control them and keep them at that number. They don't want any more people, that's for sure. Well, you know, as, as a journalist, I talk to everybody on all sides. And I remember yeah. in 2020 when I first heard the world depopulate. Um, yeah. You know, you, you kind of roll your eyes and take a yeah. step back and, and you yeah. think, okay, is this really spooky, goofy stuff? Um, you know, is this somebody that's just that's so far out there? But this was somebody in, in Fauci's circle who slipped up. Two people I talked to in Fauci's circle who slipped up late at night uh, when I'd be talking to them. And they and, and I thought to myself, wow, they think they, 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 they have a different perspective on humanity than I do. Yeah. And, and yes. so it's very hard sometimes to wrap your head around that. But the more I look at this, um, and I guess it's because I'm consumed by it and I'm so sick of it. I want to get to the bottom of it and I want to get to the fraud because I, I personally believe if we get to the fraud, because I am talking to some whistleblowers on the inside of these pharma, um, corporations, I think we're going to have, I think we're going to get a, a better feel for what this is all about, because we do know here in the United States that the neurological and the vascular injuries have been known by farmers, FDA, CDC, NIH, NIAID, all the alphabet soup uh, agencies, and they have not made those known to the public. That's a fact because we have collected the documents. I told people very early on at the beginning of 2021, I want documents, I want whistleblowers, I wanna know about the injuries, and we're gonna get to the bottom of this because it's so insidious that people are losing their freedoms, their medical freedom. I, I just, to me, it is just what in the world is anybody thinking? Yeah. And what in the world are parents thinking about turning their kids over to get these shots when the safety and efficacy tests are not complete, will not be complete until 2022, 2023, and 2025, depending upon which drug you're, I mean, which, which pharmaceutical company you're looking at. But they're also not releasing that which they know about the injuries in the early rollouts of 2021. Before we go, Michael, I want to ask you, yeah. there have been rumors that, that a deal was cut between Pfizer and the Israeli government. And that in exchange for the exclusivity of the Pfizer shots, that Pfizer was gonna build a manufacturing plant or a plant of some sort in Israel. Have you heard anything about this, read about that in the papers in Israel? I've heard something about it. And sometimes they do actually slip a little bit of information into the mainstream media news. And I don't know what what their object is in putting it in the news, because everything that gets to mainstream media has, has an object. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the object is when they do slip out things into the news, maybe so that, so that they, they, no one can say they didn't talk about it in the news maybe that's one of the reasons because otherwise if you know if if they actually uh, cover some vaccine injuries uh, on the news then then they give the people the feeling that yes we're covering that too and we're not completely ignoring it 
so it might be just one of the tactics but uh, but yes i did hear of of such such a deal between Pfizer and Israel or something similar yeah and what happened to to Bibi what happened does he come out and said anything what happened to Bibi <laughs> well Net, I mean Netanyahu is no longer you know in, in in a position of power but he still had he still has uh he still has a following um but did yeah. has he come out and said anything well, he he was one of the perpetrators of this whole thing in Israel. He's he's completely into this thing, and we don't know how they get people into it. I mean, Bibi risked his life for Israel. So did Naftali Bennett. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about smart and capable people, um, and yet they they can someone is managing to tell them what to do. It seems that. It's just the moment they have a position of authority, they're not in authority. Someone else is telling them what to do. And if they don't do it, then, then it won't be good for them. I think, I think that that's what's going on. I think it might be, a, as a Dr. Zelenko, he, he brought up this, this thought that it could be a combination of promises and threats. If you if you if you cooperate with us, there's so much good waiting for you. If you don't, it's the other way. And uh, I, I I just I can't understand how how these people know how injurious the vaccine is. They know where it's going. I don't think that they that that they don't know what's going on. And yet, they're still pushing it. They're still pushing this agenda in, in horrible ways on their own people. The people who fled here from the Holocaust and from other countries, not, not just from the Holocaust, but from countries where they were persecuted. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I, I can't get my mind around it. It just, for me, I can tell you, in in evangelical Christianity, there's the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of total depravity. And I can tell you that since this COVID hoax started, I've become a much firmer and stronger believer in the doctrine of the sinfulness of man and the total depravity of man. I just see good people falling good people doing horrible things. I mean, people that I looked up to, people that I was blessed from, people that I learned a lot from, people who have character, and suddenly it's like you don't know them. We are a broken society, Michael. If, if ever there was a time in history on a global patchwork, this has proven, I think, that we are a very broken society. Michael, thank you for being with us today. Please come back and, and please reach out if there's anything that you think that we should know because we're trying to bring uh, bring the voices forward as we do this. And, and before we leave, I should have asked you this earlier. Yeah. Do you have any hope for any uh, any Bonhoeffers stepping forward? People of faith with real courage? I don't know. I don't know. There's kind of mini Bonhoeffers, but the majority are not. 
Michael, thank you. Happy New thank Year you. to you. Thank you very, thank you very much, and God bless you. Same to you. Bye.